Hi, my name is Con Kutikus and this is A Couple with a Conversationalist, an entertaining, educational and informative program with a broad array of guests with unique perspectives and experiences. And for more information about my coaching and workshops, visit my website at www.concootsicus.com. Good morning, Adelaide. My name is Con and I am the conversationalist. And yes, as always, I have my latte in tow. Uh, This morning, my guest is Alison Kennedy from AK Tax Services. How are you this morning, Alison? Morning, Con. I'm well, thank you. And you? I'm fantastic. Thank you very much for coming on the program. Now, why should you be listening to Alison? Well, let me tell you very clearly why you should be listening to Alison. Alison is a chartered tax advisor. She's been in the industry for more than 20 years. Public accountant. She's a registered tax agent, a fellow of the Institute of Public Accountants and the Taxation Institute of Australia. Alison also has a master's in professional accounting from the university in New England. The reason Alison is on the program is because we want to get a English translation of the budget. Alison, what did you make of it? Uh, there, there was a bit in it. There was obviously a lot more spending in it, not so much in the way of tax reform, uh, but that kind of leads into there will possibly be an election within the next 12 months. And the government do tend to announce a lot of election spending. Uh, So I think, uh, I mean, there was a budget released in October last year, which was late because of COVID. So there were some income tax cuts in in that that were brought forward. But, uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of spending, not a lot of tax reform, which what uh, most accountants were hoping for, but it just didn't happen. With You mentioned the fact that we've got an election coming on now. Uh, Again, I I don't want this to be politically biased or motivated because I don't care one way or the other from a a, a political party perspective. But is this, do you see this, uh, and, and from a professional perspective, purely a promotional tool with an election coming up or is this practical economic sense from your perspective? Bit of A, bit of B. Uh, I think what they're trying to do is to ramp up spending. So they're obviously throwing a lot of money out into the community uh, and that kind of has a circle effect. So the more they put out in the community, the more people earn, the more the government gets back in tax. So it is kind of uh, partly repairing the budget deficit um, they are. They did discuss, uh, you know, cutting back on spending to repair the deficit, but they were aiming for the unemployment rate to be consistently under five percent before they withdrew spending. So yeah, they've kind of thrown the checkbook at at Australia and kind of this is what we're going to do. Uh, but they get it back, so it's it's a just a big circle. Sure. <clears throat> And it's not something that I want to delve into now, but it was interesting that um, they're talking about our uh, deficit being in order for uh, at least 2030, something I think they said. Um, And punters are saying that our national deficit is now over a trillion dollars, but what that means to the average punter doesn't really matter. Uh, Alison, let's get straight into it. So tell me, what did you uncover from a business perspective? How does this, what, what, is the 
really important aspects from businesses? So what I see a lot of is the temporary full expensing. So what that means is when a when a business buys an asset for their business, you used to have to depreciate that over a certain number of years. Hmm. At the moment, they're pretty much just said, knock yourself out, go and buy whatever you want and just claim it like an ordinary expense. So you would claim 100% in the year that happened, just like you would if you paid your telephone bill or, or anything like that. Um, so it, it sounds good on paper, but for a lot of small micro businesses, it's not really tax effective because if you go and buy, you know, you could go and buy a car at $50,000. Now, if your taxable income is only $50,000 before the car, that effectively puts your taxable income down to zero, of which 18000 of that, you don't, you're losing that tax-free threshold. So it's not overly effective sometimes from uh, an individual, like a smaller, really small uh, business point of view. A lot of people also come unstuck because a lot of people have been buying cars under this uh, temporary expensing, but you can't go and blow a hundred thousand on a new car and say it's for business. Um, <laughs> there, there is a depreciation limit on motor vehicles, which most people don't realise. So it has to be a certain type of vehicle. So you know, your Utes, your four wheel drives, uh, you can kind of get away with that. But if, if say for example, if I updated my car and I spent over uh, $59,000, I don't get any benefit for that amount that goes over 59000 So I could spend 100000 but it's not really getting me any benefit. So, so that's, that, that capping that you're talking about, is that yeah. only applicable to motor vehicles? Yeah, or it is. Okay. So from a business owner's perspective, if I hypothetically went out and bought a million dollars worth of brand new plant, mm-hmm. I can claim that entire amount in this year. Yeah, under certain circumstances, there's obviously income thresholds that come into this. Right, okay. Um, you've also got to have the cash to buy this plant. Well, that goes without um, saying. <laughs> or, or at least be in a good enough position that the bank will lend you money. To finance it, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And what else did you see? Okay, uh, company tax rates have been reduced. So from the 1st of July, they'll drop down to 25%. So, yeah, so... It, it is quite tax effective if you are in a company. Obviously, individual tax rates are scaled and uh, makes it quite complicated to kind of compare whether you're better being a sole trader or paying mm. tax individually versus doing it in a company. So, mm. But the tax that tax rate has dropped uh, and it has been slowly dropping over the last couple of years. It was at 30% originally. Wow, okay. Mm. Any other significant pluses and or minuses from a from a business perspective, whether it yes. be company or, or sole trader? So, again, relating to companies, if your company has made a loss in the 21 financial year, uh, due to it doesn't actually have to be due to COVID, it can be just a loss in, in any Just trading sense. loss. You can actually, so there's a loss carryback provision. So it means if I paid tax in the 2020 financial year for my company, I can actually recoup some of that when I lodge the 21 wow. financial year. Uh, so it's a cash flow kind of uh, savings. So it is to help increase 
your cash flow and of mm. course the government then you know gets their kickback because you're spending money so that's that's what this is designed to do okay uh, so another another initiative that's going to impact a lot of small employers uh, but will have a positive for women is that normally you would have to earn over $450 a month with your employer for you to start having super contributed on your behalf. But now they've scrapped that $450 limit. So it essentially means that from dollar one that you'll be accruing super. So it, it has a, a negative, I guess, impact on some small businesses because that effectively can put up part of their wages 10%. But for they're saying there's about 300,000 individuals that will benefit out of this measure and 63% are women. Wow. Mm, so it's, it's a positive impact, but it is coming at the cost of small business. Mm, very interesting. While we're on individuals, mm -hmm. what other uh, direct impacts in terms of uh, let's look at whether there's um, they're talking about social services and mm -hmm. whether they're looking at any any payment changes to uh, what's currently called Job Seeker or any other benefits? Uh, so I guess that's Job Seeker. A lot of the Centrelink stuff, uh, I don't think they're going to change. There was nothing mentioned okay. uh, in the budget. One thing that uh, was meant to finish in the 2020 financial year is the low to middle income tax offset or what I refer to as ScoMo's bribery money. Uh, it was part of his um, election uh, mm -hmm. announcement prior the last election, the 1080 payment. So it's a rebate that's claimed through your tax return. You've actually got to earn over $48,000 a year to get it. So okay. it's not focusing on the lower income earners. It does start to cut out when your taxable income's at $90,000 and it, it, it's gone by the time you hit $126,000. So it was meant to finish last year, but they are bring they're, they're continuing it this year. So for the 21 financial year, for people in those brackets, there will be uh, 1,080 rebate. It doesn't mean you get an extra 1,080 back yeah. in your tax. It's just part of that tax calculation. So tax payable, less any credits is worth what you get back. So mm. it doesn't necessarily guarantee a higher refund. Sure, sure. And the other interesting point that you did make before we uh, started uh, recording the program, you mentioned that whilst the budget was released, it's not actually law yeah, just that's, yet. That's correct. So, so people shouldn't be uh, either uh, applauding violently or drowning their sorrows yeah. just yet because it's not actually law. Yeah, and, I mean, there's a few, few things that have been announced in previous budgets that still haven't even passed parliament yet so it just the the popular items like the 1080 payment and the company tax rate changes and the temporary full expensing they'll tend to get passed through pretty quickly mm. it's some of the more complicated tax law items that do tend to take a little while to come through mm. okay so before we move on to businesses is there anything else uh, significant that is going to impact the every, everyday wage earner? Uh, the, 
with the October announcement, there was some tax bracket changes. So what this means is effectively now um, if you're earning between 45000 and 120000 a year, it's all, it's you're being taxed at 32.5%. There used to be an extra bracket in there. Okay. Uh, so it is, you know, so once you're over 120, you go to 37%, and then once you're over 180, you're at 45. So it is, it does make it a lot easier that 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 bracket now is so large and majority of taxpayers are in that bracket. I would imagine, yeah, mm. the majority would fall into that. Now, you said that was released in the October budget. Mm. Is that law? Yes. That's been passed into law. That okay. Is. So a lot of people may have noticed when uh, once that was announced that they started getting more in their take-home pays uh, from their employer. So, yes, that's definitely be passed and you're already getting the tax benefits from that. Okay. Were there any any changes or significant uh, comments with regards to home ownership in terms of uh, government grants? Yeah. So, there, a couple of years ago, they implemented what was called the First Home Owners Super Saver Scheme, which is one hell of a mouthful. And what that enabled people to do was save up for their first home by extra super contributions. But you could only put in an extra $30,000. So that's been increased to $50,000 now. So you, you put extra money into your super and then when, you're, when you've got enough uh, to buy your first home, you pull it out of your super. There's also been... Uh, a new initiative called the Family Home Guarantee, and that's for single parents with dependents getting a reduced deposit rate when they're looking to buy a family home. So it can go as low as 2%. So normally you'd need about 5% deposit, but for people that qualify, it would drop down to 2%. Okay, that's an interesting point, and I just want to digress just for a brief moment. I don't want to elaborate on this. Obviously, you go to a financial institution to borrow money to buy a home and they talk about having a minimum uh, 20% deposit, otherwise you need to have mortgage insurance. Yes. How are the banks going to look upon an individual having 2% deposit? They have to. If the government passed this as a law and the person fits that, uh, description of you know being single Profile. parent dependent. Um, the the eighty percent is really just like having the lending ratio eighty percent for the mortgage insurance. Sure, that mortgage insurance is really just the bank insuring themselves mm-hmm. that you pay for it. So this is a slightly different uh, concept. That this is it used to be you had to have a minimum five percent, or the bank wouldn't kind of look at you. Mm-hmm. Whereas now, uh, obviously, single single parent families uh, would be really hard to save oh. for a five percent. So dropping it without to doubt, two, you know, gets people in the market and out of the rental rental game, so to speak. But the financial institution is still going to require uh, mortgage Lending insurance. insurance. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. so that's and, and that's a significant cost, depending on, uh, on on how much you're borrowing as well. By the way, it is. Um, okay. So, and lastly, on individuals, let's talk health. Uh, mm. The government uh, uh, announced that they were going to 
probably as a result of the uh, Royal Commission into Aged Care, that they're going to pump a whole heap of cash into it. Tell us about that. Yeah, there's over $17 billion over the next five years that uh, as a result of the Royal Commission. Uh, so there's going to be an eight, extra 80,000 additional uh, home care packages that will be offered over the next two years. There's going to be about uh, $650 million into workplace training and upskilling. Uh, they're also, uh, which is long overdue, $2.3 billion into mental health. Uh, in prevention Mm. and treatment services because one thing that COVID, I think, really did highlight in our country, how lacking our mental health care system is. So that's uh, a great announcement. And then, you know, of course, with COVID, we've got another $1.9 in vaccine costs and rollouts. So, you know, it's not coming cheap, Mm. but it's definitely necessary. Mm. Okay. Let's talk businesses. What what did you see that were significant uh, benefits to to encourage businesses to, I guess, to continue to expand or even survive? What else did you see there? So there's going to be a lot of spending uh, in their digital economy strategy. So 1.2 billion over six years, and so this is for artificial intelligence research and also to support businesses to adapt their technology and uh, with e-invoicing. So there's also another $134 million, uh, that's going to apparently reduce the burden in reporting to government and compliance <laughs> costs. Now, I, I really don't know what that means, but most of the time when they announce that they're reducing red tape, it actually doesn't have that effect at all and, and sometimes can make it worse. So I'm not sure where that $134 million is going to go. We'll wait and see on that one. You also mentioned uh, the, the company, uh, company income tax mm-hmm. uh, rate. What about for, uh, let's say, sole traders or, or businesses that aren't, uh, that aren't companies? Yeah, so that's part of the individual tax framework. So that was what I was talking about earlier with mm. the there's a the 32.5% bracket, which, you know, was capped, mm. at, which did change at 90, is now at 120. So it is a rather large bracket now. It's 45,000 to 120. So the, the people that were in that 90 to 120,000 taxable income are certainly going to sure. benefit. Okay. So, so what about companies? Uh, Companies, yeah, flat tax is from dollar one. So, from the first of July, any profit over a dollar is now twenty five percent. As long as it, as long as it meets the small business test, sure. um, Certain companies are are don't meet that test, Mm. and so they're still at thirty percent. And was there anything in the budget which encouraged uh, companies? other than what you've mentioned, was were any other initiatives? Well, they're, they're saying they're offering $20 billion in tax relief to in businesses to drive investment and job creation. So they're estimating that this will help create 30,000 new jobs over a 10-year period uh, through infrastructure projects. Okay. So when you said $20, $20 billion in mm. tax relief... What does yeah. that look like what, when they say tax relief? What does that mean? So that that's the company tax right, rate okay. drop. That's the individual tax rate changes. Okay. Um, 
yeah, so it, it is about spending. So that they obviously are looking at large infrastructure projects now. So agricultural, there'll be new dams, irrigation. Um, they're, they're looking into, I guess, being a bit more green about how things are done mm. in Australia. And there's also the manufacturing and the science areas that are going to get additional incentives. I don't know what they are yet, but they're the the kind of three industries that they're targeting for spending. Okay. Is there anything else of significance that uh, you think would be of value to the uh, to the listeners and to the viewers? Uh, there's been some changes with super. So, like I said before, that 450 a month threshold's been uh, removed, but the the super work test has also been changed. So, what that meant was if you were an older Australian and you wanted to contribute money into super and claim a deduction for it, you had to pass a work test. You had to prove that you were actually in the workforce and you weren't, and therefore the super was deductible. Hmm. So... So now that's uh, been been scrapped. So if as long as yeah, that's a that's a huge impact. Um, the second one, which was announced, I think two budgets ago, uh, the super downsizer contribution. So what this was aimed at was for people over the age of sixty five, if they sold their family home, they could contribute three hundred thousand each into super. Uh, and and there was no kind of tax or or any other kind of consequences. So they've actually reduced that age to sixty now. So that is is good. Um, I guess the roundabout way of looking at this, they're trying to encourage people to put money into super because that obviously has a flow on effect with age pension. So the the you know they're they're really pushing for Australians to be self sufficient in retirement now. Getting off the track just slightly, and again, I don't want to dwell on it, there's been uh, advertisements on television which obviously run by uh, opposing political parties which seem to suggest that the government is trying to implement legislation or force people to live off their uh, existing, their their home. Mm -hmm. It's called the pension loan scheme. It's a reverse mortgage. Uh, so it's basically allowing people to increase their retirement income uh, by using basically uh, using their own home as equity to the government. So so it's the government's fancy way of, of basically trying to in, uh, institute a reverse mortgage. Exactly. Exactly okay. what it is. Yeah. Is, is, is that law? Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay, because I'd suggest there'd be a fair bit of opposition uh, to that. But again, uh, I don't want this to be a political. All I've got to say is, if you're a person that would be interested in doing that, please tell your kids. <laughs> so <Yeah>. that um, <laughs> if if you you do happen to pass away, they're not uh, expecting a windfall of a house because the government will own it. <laughs> yeah, my, <laughs> tell your kids, eh? Yes. Uh, very interesting. Very funny. Uh, Alison, what else is there that's of that's of real uh, real benefit before we wind up? What uh, I, I think we've kind of covered yeah, pretty it well all. covered it up. Okay, mm. awesome. 
Look, um, Alison, it's been uh, been very enlightening, certainly from my perspective, and I'm sure the the listeners and the viewers will get uh, some enormous benefit from this. What I would say to anybody, obviously, uh, you know, any comments uh, that are made are, are not professional advice uh, and comments only on on what we see and what we hear and how we interpret it. It's important that any decisions or anything that you want to do regarding your finances, you make sure you get uh, professional uh, um, advice that is tailored to your individual specific circumstances, because not everybody's circumstances are the same. And indeed, safe to say, Alison, that not everybody's desired outcomes are what they're looking for either. So exactly, make sure you you uh, you question your accountant. One last thing, Alison, is if anybody, uh, I guess from an individual perspective, wants to get a bit more information that's in English regards the budget, is there is there a website they can go to? Is there a link yeah. or... Or they is it just speak to your accountant? Uh, the bud- the government actually have a budget website uh, mm. that people can access. Uh, there, there is fact sheets on okay. there. Um, yeah, a lot of the information is on the tax officer's website too, so that is more targeted to the, the everyday consumer. Um, okay. It's not kind of written in accountant speak. Okay. It, uh, yeah, there's a lot of information on the internet uh, and it, most of it, it is written kind of user-friendly. Okay. Uh, and, again, because I know in searching the internet there are many websites that may look like they're an official government website but they're not, make sure you are looking at information that is from the Australian Tax Office website. Uh, don't be taking advice from... Uh, somebody that's giving you uh, their opinion or, or their view. Uh, Alison, thank you very, very much for your time. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure as always. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Con and this is A Couple with a Conversationalist. And until next time, bye for now. Thanks for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of A Couple with a Conversationalist. To join in next time, follow or subscribe. And for more information about my coaching and workshops, visit my website at www.concoutsikas.com.